do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number, take a guess, sweetie. Oh, I don't know, honey. 454. Great. Does that number hold any significance to you? Uh, Brian Urlacher. No. Oh. 454, sweetie. Oh, 454 West Belmont. What is 454 West <laughs> Belmont? Wait, can I just have for clarity, is Brian Urlacher's number 54? Yes. Oh, it is. I was right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 454 West Belmont was my uh, first apartment in Chicago. And if I were to say, give me three things or words that come to your memory about that apartment, whether it's like fun with girlfriends, like whatever it is, like what do you uh, think about Third floor, third very f- top, uh, by the lake. Landlord's name was? Saul. Good old Saul. S- Saul. Was he a good landlord? Um, no. No? No. Not so much? Mm-mm. I mean, he just, he didn't like us very much. You know, he lived on the second floor and we yeah. were four. 20 something year old girls. And I don't, he may have liked us just fine, but you know what I mean? No, he wasn't a great And just animal. to kind of give everybody an idea of how old we are, what did you guys pay for rent for that <laughs> three bedroom, or no, four bedroom four apartment? Four bedroom. First of all, how huge was that apartment? It was big. I knew Todd then. But not your bedroom was. Your bedroom my was bedroom tiny. My bedroom was tiny. Um, but you got your own bathroom. I did get my own bathroom. Um, we paid $500. Is that right? Per person. No, no, no. Oh, no, we didn't. No. Let me hold on. Where's we Jess paid two hundred and fifty something dollars per person. So per so person. about a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. That makes I sense. I paid five hundred dollars for my first single for Greenview and Grace. Got it. That was five hundred. So there's a reason I bring that up, and I will talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about what Zen Parenting Radio is. It's a podcast where you'll feel outstanding, and who does want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to kind of revisit. We did a Zen talk with our Team Zen, which is kind of our insiders club or our the, the people that... That's our virtual community. Virtual community. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good Zen talk last Friday, and there was kind of some consistent themes throughout. So we decided that we're going to kind of build off of what we talked about on our Zen talk. Um, and we also talk a lot about Fortnite. So if you have any people in your household that talk about that uh, play Fortnite, uh, it might be an interesting conversation. Um, and then we also have a question if we get to it. But mm-hmm. the reason I, I thought of podcast number 454 and then I thought of your apartment, 454 West Belmont. Uh-huh. So then I just, I wanted to, cause I did movie lines from the jerk last time and mm-hmm. I've gotten a few emails of friends who said, keep doing that cause it's making me laugh in like, the car. Who? Do you want me to name their names? Well, like are there, okay. Okay. And I'm glad that it's making them laugh and whoever it is, I love them. It's not that that's a problem, but do you think our, our, all of our listeners like that or your friends like that? I think the more I laugh in this podcast, the better the podcast okay. is. Uh, well, you know, I don't mind. I, I love movie lines. It's just sometimes I wonder, is that really adding to our message? Because when I yeah, read our reviews, part of our message is you got to laugh. True in pop culture. But when I read our reviews, I've never heard anyone say I love their movie clips. Okay, so if you're listening, I need you to submit a review <laughs> and say the only reason you listen to Zen Parenting Radio is for the movie clips. So yes. I, I just Googled best movies in 1994, and it's quite a list. Uh-huh. So I pulled off of some movie lines from one of these movies. But this is what came out in 1994. Pulp Fiction. Yes. Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Forrest Gump. Uh-huh. Quiz Show. Clerks. The Lion King. True Lies. And the one that I'm going to be featuring today, which is a little movie that I like to call Dumb and Dumber. So we're going to play a clip from Dumb and Dumber. Haven't we had a Dumb and Dumber show? Probably. Let's repeat it. Let me say something interesting about 1994, which was obviously my first year out of college. 
I have seen every single one of those movies. So it demonstrates my 24-ness or my 22-ness. Or how old are you when you graduate? About 22. 22, 23. Depends who you are, but usually that's about right. Because I feel like now if you read a list of movies from like last year, I'd be like, I saw two of them. Yeah. But I know all of those movies. Um, So you saw, yeah, you did see. And then that's the first row. The second row is The Crow. You never saw The Crow, did you? Sure I did. That was Brandon. um, Is that the one that the guy that died? He died during the movie. What's his last name? He was Lee. Brandon Lee, yeah. Uh, Leon the Professional. I never heard of that one. Mm-mm. Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Four Weddings and a Funeral. I've like a million times, but you know I have the problems with that movie. Uh, yes, I do know with that Andy you're McDowell. Ed Wood. Yes, I've seen Ed Wood. That's Interview with a Vampire. Of course. Heavenly, Hello. Heavenly Creatures. I never saw that. That's Kate Winslet. But and Hoop that. Dreams. Yes, that's wow. Chicago. That is Chicago. So uh, this is from a movie I like to call Dumb and Dumber. So take a listen. Mock, yeah, ing, yeah, bird, yeah, 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 mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? She's gonna buy me a mockingbird, and if that mockingbird don't sing, she's gonna buy me a diamond ring, and if that diamond ring don't Sweetie, when you th- hear that scene, what do you know about it? Well, pick them up. It was improvised. No, it wasn't. It was not in the script at all. Are you sure? Yes. I'm positive. I've read it like three different websites. Them singing that song? Yes. Jim Carrey just started doing that, and Jeff Daniels just kind of responded, and then the guy in the middle... No, what was improvised was the part where he says, um, do you want to hear... Do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Well, maybe you're right. Because but the reason I, think... I know that's not improvised is they sing it twice. They sing it before they pick up the family on the side of the road. Yeah. And then they pick them up and then they all sing it together. I'm going to do some research. You... you do some research because he did improvise. Then you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world. Um, and then here's my second clip. All right. Uh, what is the soup du jour? <laughs> it's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. That there sounds we go. good. We say that a lot still. That it's funny because we sing the Mockingbird song too a lot in our family. Um, Todd and I really, you know, sing it like kind of like Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in Vacation. Yes. They also sing that. And our girls like think that's a song from Dumb and Dumber. They don't know that's James Taylor and Carly Simon singing that song. And originally. I didn't really know that either. Oh, you didn't? No. Well, news for all people. A quick take real quick, sweetie. Billie Jean King tells the French Open official to stop policing women's bodies. Yes. Did you hear about this? Absolutely. Because they, we all know that um, they for the French Open that Serena was not allowed to wear the cat suit. I, I think she was, but they said for the U.S. Open that she could not. Didn't she wear it at the French Open? That's how we saw it. But wasn't the French Open guy, wasn't he the ones that said that said we're going to pull it back? I don't know. I just know that it, it had a spillover to the U.S. Open. Okay, and so she wore a tutu. Yeah. Oh, did she? Yeah, she wore a big tutu. Uh, she says the policing of women's bodies must end. The respect that's needed is for exceptional talent Serena Williams brings to the game. Criticizing what she wears to work is where the true disrespect lies. And there was one more issue, and I don't know what it came up in, if it was the French Open or the uh, whatever, but there was a woman who was playing, and she something happened with her. Her shirt, mm-hmm. and she uh, maybe it was inside out, and she changed it on the side. Okay. Now, 
mind you, she's wearing an exercise bra that probably covers more than a bikini does. Yeah. Okay. So we have our, you know, our, our cheerleaders mm-hmm. out during football wearing basically nothing. nothing, but she's playing the game, sweaty, needs to change really quick, takes off the shirt, puts it back on. And it was a problem with one of the line judges wow. and why there was a lot of commentary on Twitter and everything is so many of the male players take their shirt off. Right. And so, and she saw a bra and there yep. was nothing to yeah. see here, you know? It's the hypocrisy. And, and the thing is, is this is the most important part of the, when we talk about these things, Todd and I don't talk about these things. So all of you go, yeah, everybody sucks. And, and to like build up resentment, mm-hmm. it's to bring awareness to our own biases and our own unconscious biases, these belief systems we have, and then question them. My intention when we talk about like, things that are going on in the world that are somewhat uh, controversial are not to stir up controversy or to make the listeners angry. It's to make you think to yourself, what is wrong with Serena wearing a cat suit? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with a woman who's wearing a full exercise bra to change her shirt? She is the athlete we're watching. Mm -hmm. Why are we telling her, what should she do? Go to the locker room and say, stop the game, everybody? And why, and if we're like, yes, she should, why? Mm -hmm. Because you can't tolerate what? Because women's bodies are supposed to be only for sexual consumption? Right. Because that's that's where we start. And, And again, I'm not pointing my finger and saying you're a bad person. I'm saying think about it. Because I think the more we take the time with these issues, the more we can let go of these biases. Right. Well, and it's, I certainly don't, defend this. Um, I am as offended by this as you are, but it is weird that, you know, if a woman were ever to, you know, uh, you know, depending on where you are, like we're all walking around in our underwear at the beach, correct? you know, but like, you know, all of a sudden, like a woman's, a button falls off a woman's blouse and you can kind of see her bra. Like that's like a really offensive, offensive thing. And it's just kind of like the, it's just the environment plays a role in certain things in a weird way. It does. And and I understand that and that and there's some normalcy to that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there is the beach is a certain mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is about expectation, right, right? Exactly. And so I totally get that. It's it's just that when it comes to sports and there are athletes and they are dressed a certain way not to entice you sexually, but because that is what's most comfortable and that's what makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. And that is how they feel like, you know, the cat suit thing with Serena. First of all, I don't know if you knew this, but part of the reason that suit was made is she was having trouble with blood clots in her leg post-pregnancy. And so when you have blood clots, the Mm -hmm. best thing you can do is you'll see a lot of old people wear compression tights. Not just old people, people my age who are like, I need to, you know, varicose veins, that kind of thing. So there was purpose to it. There was like, okay, how do we... And she said, now I feel like a superhero. I feel amazing. Mm -hmm. But then we said, no, you can't do that. Well, and to your point, the woman who um, got in trouble for changing her shirt, like if it's going to inhibit her ability to perform tennis. So in other words, if she has to go run in a locker room right. just to protect the linesman, right. kind of like what you just said, it's, it's so ridiculous. And who, and this is the deeper part, rather than who's right, who's wrong, who wins. Let's investigate that. What did the linesman think that meant? Mm-hmm. That because the the message that a lot of women receive from that is women's body are 
bodies are only for sexual consumption. Therefore, if your shirt is coming off, you are offending people in some kind of way. Same with, you know, we used to talk about this more when I actually was, you know, was closer to my girls being younger where I was nursing. Um, But the whole thing about breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and how people are like, it's disgusting or you should do that indoors or what I had to do with all three of my girls is go into bathroom stalls. And obviously I know things have changed. Mm -hmm. You know, my girls are older now where there's a little more understanding. Yeah, we're moving in the right direction. We've got a long way to go. For people to be offended by someone who's nursing their child and say, you should cover up because I'm offended by you. What's the offensive part? Because women's breasts are only for sexual mm-hmm. reasons because they're not. Right. So if you question that, then it, it th- then getting offended goes away. So we got to get to the core of it. So to build off of that, uh-huh. um, Steph Curry, we all know who yes. Steph Curry yes. is. He wrote a blog and it, there's just a few paragraphs, small paragraphs that I want to read from the blog. I think Steph is an unbelievable talent. Um, I personally don't... Uh, I like rooting against him because his team is always so good. It's one of those I like the underdogs. Is he Golden State Warriors? Yes. Yeah. And he also he also like uh, bites his mouth guard in a way that bugs me. Yeah. Like it's very my. And we just watched him so much because yeah. he's all you know. Oh, and he drank, we're focused on yeah. everything. He's just unbelievable. Yes, his, he is. He isn't talented. So he says, "I want our girls to grow up knowing that there are no boundaries that can be placed on their futures." Period. I want them to. I want them to grow up in a world where their gender does not feel like a rule book for what they should think or be or do. And I want them to grow up believing that they can dream big and strive for careers where they'll be treated fairly, fairly, and of course, paid equally. And I think it's important that we all come together to figure out how we'll make that possible as soon as possible, not just as fathers of daughters or for those sorts of reasons, and not just for Women's Equality Day every day. That's when we need to be working to close the pay gap in this country because every day is when the pay gap is affecting women and every day is when the pay gap is sending the wrong message to women about who they are, how they're valued, and what they can or cannot become. Yeah, and I would say that's a marvelous thing to say and there's a lot of... Well, and it's funny. This came as a result partially that he did an all-girls basketball camp mm-hmm. and he was just blown away by how amazing these young women are. Yes. And... Um, and he says he's going to keep doing it. Of course. And, and that's the thing is like when people are like, oh, that girl is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. She's actually, you know, Kate McKinnon is actually funny. Right. Or that girl can actually play basketball. Or, you know, that girl, you know, we have Abby Wambeck coming to our conference. Like, again, one of the, the best soccer players of all time, men or women. Yep. Um, and to and to be so surprised by this. Mm-hmm. And these are the women who had to like fight through all of the stereotypes and all of the the lack of support and all of the situations where they didn't even have camps for them or they didn't like they had to come through much more difficult routes and yet they still are the best of the best of the best. So can you imagine if that floodgate opened and things were equal, I think it would demonstrate a lot of these beliefs that we have that are not well-founded. They're just how we, it's just been how the world has looked. Mm -hmm. And so I think that once we, you know, and it's already starting, it's just slow. And I love what he has to say, but then there has to be a willingness by men and women, of course, too, but to look at all the reasons that this happens. If you really want equality for women, then you can't look at them as just sexual beings. If you really want equality for women, that starts in the home with what you're willing to to help. And even me, the the language is wrong. You're not helping your wife. Mm. You have to be an equal partner in the home. So this isn't just, oh, I believe in equality. 
responsibility, but I'm going to work and wife, you're in charge of all of our vacations and I'll never right. be a part of that. Like there has to be a sense of what does equality mean in all facets you know of my life? One element of inequality of the many that you and I share in regards to emotional labor and just, you know, I mean, the, the list is long. You just basically do more than I do. But one glaring obvious example is packing for a trip mm-hmm. and we've never talked about that mm-hmm. and it's a little bit easier now that the girls are a little bit older that they can pack themselves mm-hmm. uh, but just I guess I use this question to the men out there if you are like me and you have young you have have or had younger kids who's packing for that mm-hmm. that weekend getaway mm-hmm. with the kids because it certainly wasn't me well, and even now the girls are much better packing for themselves. Like my life changed about three or four years ago when they could like choose for themselves. And and even my older daughter does her own laundry now, which I so appreciate. Um, but I don't know if you remember, but about, you know, we were gone this weekend and about 30 minutes before we left, I went over a list with each of them mm. in my mind. Do you have your sheet for the bed? Yeah. Do you have your pillow? Do you have, and they would like run up but back and down the stairs. So even though they're packing for themselves. It's in my mind yeah. of what they need. And I also, you know, and this is just a mom thing. I also have some extra things. Mm-hmm. You know, I bring things that they might the just need. in case. Exactly. List. And that is less about being a savior and more about it saves our sense of what what is it? Like it's such a pain when they don't remember something that we end up paying for it mm-hmm. in like our you know, everybody's in a bad mood. Right. So it's like, if I just have it, then it's a non-issue. Right. And again, some people will say, but then they'll never learn. Well, they, you know, they're getting my version of it. So they're still not happy about it. Yeah. But it's something like, like an extra pillow in the car. Like if they don't have a pillow at night, that's a really big pain in the butt. Right. So. Because we're going to hear it. That's More specifically, thing. you're going to hear it. And we still hear all weekend. That wasn't my pillow. Mm. It's not my pillow. It's not. So it's not like they're, they're you know, completely being coddled. But at the same time, I do appreciate you noticing that. And, but that's been since day one. I mean, that goes back to kind of our, there's some people who've been listening to our old podcasts and commenting on things, which I, we should go back and listen. It'd probably be funny. You know, it'd be funny. It'd be to listen, play clips from an old podcast and be like, oh my God, what were we thinking? Um, Sweetie, we knew exactly what we were thinking. I don't even know what I was thinking. I, I would probably listen to one and I don't know that I'd necessarily disagree with myself, but I would probably, it's like when I read my old books, I don't, I don't love my old books. Yeah. You know, they just, I read them and they make me cringe a little bit. Like, you know, what was I thinking? I think that's kind of human nature Absolutely. stuff too. Absolutely, yeah. we evolve. We do. My writing's better than it used to be. That's part of it. But also it's kind of like the, you know, sometimes when I was, my early writing especially, there's uh, there's some humble brag stuff, you know, kind of like, well, I never had to, I don't know. I can't even do it justice. Or there's a sense, it's a cheesiness, mm-hmm. like a, a cheesy writing, yeah. like where you sound like it's too sentimental. Yep. So it kind of makes me gag. So I want to talk about our first partner before we get into these three questions that were discussed in our Zen talk. And it's campaignliving.com. Sweetie, what are your two thoughts about um, uh, furniture shopping when you go to the store, the big box stores? That I don't want to be doing it. That's what I say, sweetie. So uh, you want something that looks great and will last, but you don't want to spend five grand on a sofa, sweetie. Do you want to spend five grand? I heard the grill it won't cost five grand on this. Five grand. You have five grand? I don't have five grand. I don't have five grand. Do you have five grand? I think Anthony Michael Hall feels about you using that. Um, what do you mean? Because it's his voice. Oh, I think he's fine with do it. Do you think he's cool with it? 
first of all, I don't think he listens to this podcast, but even Shocking. if he did, I think he would be like, as, I remember that part. He's like, you know, yeah, like Jake, five grand. Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan. Who isn't an actor anymore? He's a carpenter. He is. Isn't he? Or a handyman? I think he, he was done after a few movies, yeah. He was in Vision Quest, sweetie. He was also in Mermaids. Vision Quest is better than Mermaids. What was his name in Vision Quest? Uh, I don't remember, but he was Loudon Swain's wrestling buddy. I know, and he had one name. that He had one word name. He was like... Yeah, and he got abused by his dad, didn't he? Yeah, it was... It was uh, I'm going to look it up while you finish this app. Um, so the founder of Campaign felt exactly the same way. So he built a company made for people like us. They make sofas, chairs, love seats, and ottomans that are built to last. Quality materials. Uh, you can get it in just a few days in a flat-packed box, and you don't have to schedule a delivery or wait around for it. Each piece is made uh, to assemble in just a few minutes, and you don't even need any tools to set it up. Easy to remove covers, uh, change the look of your home. So here's what I want you to do, Zen Parenting listeners. Go to campaignliving.com to see the goods. And we've got a special deal for all of you. Save 75 bucks off any sofa, love seat, or chair when you use code ZEN, Z-E-N, at checkout. That's campaignliving.com, and use the coupon code ZEN to save 75 bucks off your order. What was his name? His name was Kutch, K-U-C-H, which that's so connected to Kush from Jerry Maguire. This is Kush. This is Kush. But what's funny, in the cast of Vision Quest, the first... The first cast member is, it says Madonna, singer at the club. Okay, yes. she's in that movie for like a full on three seconds mm-hmm. and she's listed first. Yeah. Matthew Modine, of course, is second. Were you listening to that Vincent uh, D'Onofrio um, interview with Dax Shepard, armchair um, expert? Um, no. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, who's Vincent? Well, he, he's been oh, yeah. he I listened in to that Full one. Metal Jacket. I listened to that one. And he was saying how he would run lines with Matthew Modine, and then Matthew Modine is the one who told him to try out for that movie. Yes, I know. It's crazy how that stuff works, isn't it? I know. It? it is crazy. It was a nice thing to do. Mm. Um, I want to play scenes from Vision Quest, but I'm not going to because we're already 21 minutes in, and we're in our intro right now. So, Well, the, can I say this? The Vision Quest album... OMG. Like that was such a big part of, I think it was eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Oh, that move that, it, and obviously it had Madonna, you know, it had crazy for you, but lunatic fringe was on that soundtrack. What else was on vision quest? Um, I'm looking at it right. Oh, the, the first song, the one he would work out to, is it only the young? Oh, wow. Sweetie, you're good at this. There it is. Yeah. Um, every high school wrestler loved that movie. Well, and that's the thing is our high school. So you were a mat maid. I was a mat maid. What is a mat maid? <laughs> our high school was so, our middle school and high school was so into wrestling. And I know you were a wrestler too, which is totally random. That our I, high school was not into wrestling. That's the thing that I would be so into wrestling and then grow up and marry a wrestler, but you didn't have the same wrestling experience my guy friends did. I don't know if you can call me a wrestler, sweetie. <laughs> I wrestled for four years. I was very I was good. I wasn't great. Did you go to state? I did not go to state. I didn't even make it to sectionals. I lost to Patrick Gale from Evanston in the third place place match. We always went to state. Uh, But not everybody did. Not all the individual, but the team did. Right, the team did. did. Yeah. Yeah, I was 29 and 15 my senior year, so I wrestled a lot of matches. 
But yeah. I threw a lot of towels at people's heads. <laughs> the good old days. The good old days. Right. Cleaned up spit. So here's clean up spit. <laughs> so we did a, a Zen talk last Friday. And if you don't know what that is, go to zenparentingradio.com and click on Teams On. Uh, it's basically a virtual coaching conference call thing. Just to simplify it, because yeah. Todd calls it a different thing every time. Yes, it's I just do. our virtual community. Yeah. The difference between it and the show is it's something that you pay for. Why do you pay for it? Because we give it a lot of individualized attention attention. When people ask questions, we answer their questions. We do two extra, we call them Zen Talks, but they're like podcasts because we we do them live so people can come on and ask questions, but we tape it and then Todd uploads it to a podcast format. Mm-hmm. So you can listen to it on your own in your own time, and it's just another podcast. Yeah. So it's like it's called the Zen Talk podcast, right? Uh, I think that's exactly what it's called. So if you join Team Zen, it's it is our virtual community, and it's just a lot of not only is it support from Todd and I, like individualized support, um, the team mm-hmm. because I think there's now eighty people, eighty five or ninety. I don't so know, like and they're that. from all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. There's some people from New Zealand and England, and yeah. and so it's it. If you feel like you don't have a community, this is why we started it. If you feel like you're in one of those towns where, or you just haven't met people yet who have similar beliefs or similar questions that you do about parenting, or you just want to investigate a deeper way of looking at parenting, this is your crew. Yeah. So we did, we answered three questions. Sometimes mm-hmm. we answer five, sometimes we have to, but we, we spent about an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, about 20 minutes with each que- with each, each person who was actually on the call. And they would say, yeah, but what about this? Or mm-hmm. I understand this, but what do you think about that? Um, so I'm just going to summarize in, in one sentence okay. each of these three. So the first question was from a, a, a listener, a, team's, a Team teammate. Mm-hmm. Um, she was raised by a tiger mom, and she's struggling to evolve from the pattern created from her parents. And she's trying to find the balance between boundaries and compassion. Yes. She want me to read the second one, the third one right now, or do we want to kind of? Oh, I don't know. Do you? I, do you let's just go... go through all three, okay. and then we'll just give our two cents because we're not going to go over everything we went over on the Zen talk. But there were some important points that we thought beyond what we talked about on the Zen Correct. talk, which you could, you know, Todd can explain how you can listen to that if you really want to. Um, we just wanted. We felt like when we left that Zen talk, it opened up a lot of new questions that we could talk about on this show. The second one was a teammate was challenged by her second grader who's displaying anxious and angry behavior. And the last one, uh, she's challenged by her seven-year-old who will not stop talking back. Yes. So that was the deal. So one thing I am going to do is if you just want to get a taste for what Zen Talks are about, shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. I'll give you the link for this specific one. I'm not going to give you a link for all of them, but just so you can kind of see, because you can actually watch it on video or you can listen to it uh, on a link, either one. So... um, where do we want to go? So I guess with the first one, the one, you know, about boundaries and compassion, what I find with people that I've worked with who were raised by really strict parents or parents who used fear or were raised in, you know, because it's often cultural, mm-hmm. um, where the expectation is very specific. You know, it's like you will get straight A's or you will do this or you will do this job. This can be a very big shift yeah. to go from if, you know, you, she calls it... Um, she literally said tiger mom, but we all have a different version of that, right? And um, it can be a really big shift to go from that to what we can call self-aware parenting, conscious parenting, or just questioning. You know, like I always use um, 
Deborah Reber from, you know, she wrote the Differently Wired book, you know, just her first tilt in her book, like her first question in her book is question everything you ever learned about parenting. And that's really what this show is about Mm. is let's just break it down and question everything we've ever been taught and then figure out, does it really work? And what is, what are we really looking for? Mm. What Todd and I focus on and what we think, um, and not just what we think, it's what the research focuses on. It's what we all know in our heart to be true is what we want to make sure we have with our children is connection. That's like the bottom line. Now, connection doesn't mean permissiveness and connection doesn't mean they walk all over us. Connection means that we actually have a two-way relationship where we are still the parent, they are still the child, but we actually communicate about our needs. Pretty simple. Right. But yet, Nobody Every, does it. Nobody. Well, it's you it's know, difficult. Not yes. enough people do it. It hasn't become common enough. Yeah. You know because what what these questions always boil down to because we get them in a million different forms, right? right? Is okay. I'm doing and I'm doing this conscious parenting stuff, but when is the day when I bring fear back in? Well, this is what she says. Um, she's one. She felt like she was at a crossroads. Yeah. Now that he's in junior high. Yeah. And she doesn't know whether to be more firm in regarding to sticking to the established boundaries or whether more compassion to fill up the emotional piggy bank is needed. And both are, yeah. you know, like, and, but we got to be clear about what boundaries means because we can fall back into the pattern of, okay, I'm going to do this, like be aware, communicate, be thoughtful, um, pay attention thing. But when is the day when I really bring down the hammer? Yeah. And the thing is, is of course we all have days where we bring down the hammer cause we're just tired yeah. or whatever. It's not like we do this perfectly, but that never, it's not like a method that we're, we're going to put aside and use on certain days. It's a method that the whole fear based control method is harmful to the relationship. Yeah. And when you find yourself using it because you're tired or because you feel like you're at your wit's end, you recognize how it's breaking up the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it really is never something that you, it's not something for your back pocket. It's not something to whip out and be like, you know what? I've tried all this stuff. I'm going back to this control. It, it, you know, as Todd and I say, and we said this on the Zen talk, it will work in the, in the moment. Meaning that if when you, you drop the hammer, when you drop the hammer, of course it Short will. Term. If your child is, is, if you yell at your child or God forbid, you know, strike scare them, them or, or strike them in some way or just use fear, mm-hmm. they probably will stop in their tracks. They probably will go to their room or do the thing because that's what fear does. At, it, it controls. At what cost? And that's the question. And what I talked about on the Zen talk, which is now not quite as timely as it was a few years ago was... The question that was brought up to me a long time ago about the movie Whiplash, which you may or may have not seen, um, but it was about J.K. JK Simmons won an Academy Award for it. And basically it's this kid, Miles Teller, who is a really great drummer. And J.K. Simmons sees this in him and he is a like a, a very controlling teacher. He's got a big ego. He's got some of his own issues. He's not well, mm. but he's so manipulative of this kid. Now, here's the interesting part about the movie. It's very real in that this kid gets good. Yeah. Okay. He becomes so engrossed in this kind of learning that it overtakes him and he becomes really good. But here's the other thing. He gets sick. He gets in a car accident. He loses his family. He loses his girlfriend. He loses himself. And as I told our team, the director of that movie. So the end of the movie ends how? He plays this 
extraordinary set yeah. on his drums. Yeah. So a lot of people said, well, look at what this kind of fear-based teaching did to this kid. Right. But prior to him playing that extraordinary set on his drums, on the way to the set, he got in a car accident, yep. okay? Completely lost it, hurt himself, was bleeding all over the place. He's completely had arguments with his family. He's disconnected from them, loses... He has no love or sense of self in his life. And what this guy did to him was beat him down and berate him and control him. Mm -hmm. Yes, he became a good drummer, but what happened to him as a person? It's our focus of what does success mean to you? Is it that they become a great drummer and they perform, but then when they're off the stage, they're miserable and yeah. sick? No, that's what you got to start. You got to start with what does it mean to have a successful child? And we, sometimes when you and I do, are lucky enough to be in front of a group of parents, that's where you start. Like, is the goal an Ivy League school? Or is the goal to have a a well-rounded, healthy human healthy being. human being? Yeah, because those sometimes are not the same thing. It, I, I don't want to say rarely because I really don't know the research, but not that often. Right. <laughs> because usually somebody who is achieving at that level are pushing themselves in a way that they may not, they may figure it out. So fast like forward to uh, the interview with the director. Oh, the interview with the director. Um, of this he's, movie. Who was the director? Was it Danny Boyle? I can't remember. But he said he, when they got the screenplay or when he wrote it or the way he directed it was that he assumed this kid would die around 27. Mm -hmm. He, he wasn't writing it saying, see, and this kid went on to be the greatest of all time. But it's weird that he left, not that he left that out, but he decided to leave it with showing these um, setbacks while at the same time he became a really great drummer and then the end credits roll. He well, almost. There's another conversation he has with oh, really? his teacher. It's, see, I haven't even seen it yet. It's There's more to it, but it is, it, it, it's, it's what we would call... A think piece. Yeah. What's that from? Absolute or um, almost famous? Yes. It's a think piece. It's a think piece. Um, because you don't leave, you people left confused. And I, and we got a lot of comments from people because we were doing the show. It was probably like so many years ago, but people were like, see, see, see. Mm -hmm. And, but I love thinking about that because yes, fear can work, you guys. Yeah. We're, Todd and I don't deny that, but is that the way you want to have your family work? And if your family works that way, will your kid feel connected to you or trust you? And if your family works that way, will they ever want to come home and have an adult peer relationship with you? And if you parent that way, will you feel good mm -hmm. when you go to bed and look at yourself in the mirror? Right. Because this isn't all it's you know, it's 50% how this child grows up and 50% how you feel about yourself. Well, the other thing I remember from um, our teammate's question is that she thought she was at a crossroads. Right. And the one thing I remember saying to her is, you're not. Mm -mm. Like, there's always going to be uh, another moment. So, like, let's say you get through this, you navigate through this one really well. That doesn't mean next year there's not going to be another problem. Vice versa. Let's say this one doesn't It kind of go sideways a little bit. You're going to get another chance to figure this out next year or next week or whatever. So we tend to inflate the importance of specific moments. I like think. if I don't get this right, yes. I'm never going to get it right. And so the answer to be more, cause I'm, you know, Todd and I are speaking so generally here to be more specific when your child is demonstrating behaviors or maybe they, they are being disrespectful or their grades are dropping or they are hanging out with someone that you are challenged by or they aren't cleaning their room. You know, it can be smaller things too. They aren't picking up things on the stairs. How about mm -hmm. that one? Yes. yes. Our kids Don't tend pick not up things. to pick up 
But, you know, they barely ever go upstairs, sweetie. Only like 50 times a day. I'm always like, how do you guys pass all these things? But anyway, um, <laughs> getting sidetracked is that it's the same thing. Conversation. I'm concerned. This is important to me. This is hurting our relationship. What is happening with you concerns me. Mm-hmm. The way I feel when you say that to me is sad. Yeah. And the way, and what's most important to me is our relationship. And a lot of parents are like, but I don't want to, they don't say this so blatantly, but I think this is what I get with from the people I work with. I don't want to take the time to do that. I don't want to be vulnerable and I don't. And what if my kid doesn't respond? Then what do I do? And this is what Todd and I were talking about on the, on the way home. You can't jump to that next thing until you do this thing. Right. What we're trying to do is find, here's plan A, here's plan B, here's plan C. But we don't have any of the information for plan C because we haven't done A yet. Because yeah. A shifts the dynamics that then lends to a plan C. Does that make sense, you guys? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what's going to happen when they're 15 because they're 11. And there's a million other things that are going to happen before they reach 15. So you can't make an assumption that they're going to be shy or outgoing or anxious or inappropriate because they're not there. This is, and this is why I know a lot of us like the security of if A doesn't work, I'm going to do B, but you have to give yourself to A. And then if B is necessary, because it could be, the dynamics will all be different because you already tried A. Mm-hmm. Did, am I saying that in a way that's clear to you, Todd? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think that the listener understands okay. what you're getting at because the the energy will shift. And we actually have a wonderful example of that oh, in regards to that. But um Second, uh, before I get to the second one, I do want to play. So where are you headed? Aspen. Mmm, California. Beautiful. One more, sweetie. Why are you going to the airport? Flying somewhere? (laughs) How'd you guess? Uh, I saw your luggage. Then when I noticed the airline ticket, I put two and two together. I got worms. I got worms. That's what we're going to call it. Um, So the second one is, let's see, where am I here? Uh, listeners challenged by our second graders displaying angry and anxious behavior. And then third one is Jen. Uh, the listener is a teammate is challenged by our seven-year-old who will not stop talking back. Now, it rarely happens this well, but one of the moms who was on the call. Um, on the, the live talk. On the live talk. Uh, you said something like, well, instead of forcing your child to come sit down for dinner, instead say What? Oh, so let me give more information okay. about her question because her question was, um, you know, when it's time for dinner, I tell my son it's time to sit down and he comes back and tells me a million reasons why he can't, mm. why he's busy, why he's doing something, why I'm frustrating him, why he's annoyed that it's dinner time, whatever it may be. And I think a lot of parents could relate to that on the Zen talk because right. have you guys ever done that? Like it's time to eat or it's time to go. And everyone's so annoyed that you're even telling them it's time. Yeah. Naturally, you guys, when that happens, when they come back defensive, we, if we're not conscious of our energy, we come back defensive and we say, oh my gosh, I cooked dinner. I came home, I went to the, or I went to the grocery store, I came home, I cooked dinner. All I want us to do is eat together. Nobody is sitting at the table. So it creates a fight. Yep. Okay. And then we look at them and say, can you believe they won't come and sit down? Yep. But we're playing a role in that. I'm not saying it's our fault, but we're perpetuating that kind of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. We are teaching them defensiveness through our defensiveness. Yes. And believe me, everybody. I still do this occasionally. What, actually, before I go on with this talk, what, what was it that my girls just said to me? Oh, last week, something came up 
where I was trying to explain, I'm going to be kind of general because I don't want to talk about their, you know, what they're involved in, but there was something where I was explaining that something was stressing me out. I was having to take one of them to a practice and it was stressing me out because things were getting canceled and moved. Do you remember this? I do. And I was like, I was like, you guys, I need you to understand that I really don't care about these things. And if you show up on time or whatever, like I'm not worried about that, but I'm carrying the energy of your anxiety. And I was kind of trying to explain it from my like empath empathic point of view. And they don't really care about all those things. They don't care that their mom carries the energy of other people, not because they don't love me, but it doesn't make, they're like, whatever. And then one of my daughters said, yeah, you're more worried about it than we are. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I got really offended because that's always been my, that's an Achilles for me. Yeah. When pe- I'm Without I'm knowing just, it, they went for the throat. Right. And she didn't know it right. because I said, that makes me so sad that you say that because I don't care about this practice. I don't care about you doing well on this team. I mean, I'm excited if you do, but that's not my focus. Yeah. But when you are late for it, I carry the energy of you being late. Therefore, do you see what I and mean? And the anxiety that she carries for being like That's what I mean. Yeah. Like I'm in this vicious cycle with you. So it's not about your success on the team. It's about in this moment, I'm anxious. So let's not do this. Yeah. So I said to her, that makes me so sad because I'm not more stressed out about your team than you are. Mm-hmm. Cause see that to me feels like a, you want this more than I do. Yeah. And I don't. <laughs> and so I, but I was protesting too much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I was do. so caught in the cycle that and I told her it made me sad. At least I shared my emotion and didn't, you know, but she came down later. You didn't fire back. She came down later and gave me a hug. And I said, I'm, you know, I told her, I'm sorry I got so defensive about that, but I kind of tried to explain to her in different words. She's like, I got it. She's like, I wasn't trying to make you sad. I was trying to, uh, she's, she's our child who like cuts to the chase. Like here's, she just wanted one sentence yeah. and I was talking too much. She's like, but I just didn't choose the right sentence. Right. So. I'm saying that because I know defensiveness just pops out of us. I know that. But if she can, if this is an ongoing issue right before dinner or lunch or whenever, my suggestion was when you say it's time to eat and he says, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm working on this to say, okay, we'll miss you. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was your suggestion. And she, uh, the list, the teammate ended up uh, posting something on our private Teams and Facebook page Mm -hmm. that night. And she said, um, she's the mom, said, I said, son, I am sitting down for dinner. Son mm-hmm. replies, I am playing and trying to figure out the R2-D2. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, I'll miss you. And then he said, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. So it, That was a good... Right. So it rarely does it work that beautifully. Yeah. But this ha- this example, it happened to work out. She took an idea that you gave to her because this is what we need. We need something outside of ourselves to help us through these tricky situations. Um, so she took your um, idea and she uh, put it into place. She implemented it. Yeah. And, and it happened to work beautifully. And let me say before I wrote that mm-hmm. and and we talked about it on the team t- uh you know, on the Zen talk, other people had given her other ideas that had also worked because once she got on the team Zen talk, she said, I actually have a lot of new tools Mm -hmm. because a bunch of people on the team had already said, say this, do this. And they had already worked. So I didn't change her life. I just gave her another tool, you know, like she's like that worked too. So what I want to do last Uh before we close up shop here Uh is, um, there was another question, uh, posted on our team Zen Facebook page. And I think it's interesting because it's specifically about uh, boundaries and stuff like that. Okay. So 
um, the teammate has an 11 year old son and he wants to skip meals in order to play Fortnite. Okay. Uh, the background info, info is that the husband downloaded Fortnite last spring for this child without knowing anything about it and without my knowledge or input. I'm thinking, no big deal, right? The child wasn't obsessed with it all summer, like all of his peer group, his two younger brothers, and the rest of the school, apparently, to the point where numerous arguments ensued. Fast forward to school beginning and parents stating, no Xbox, tablet, video games, Monday through Thursday after school. The kids have complained but basically followed this boundary. Today, Saturday morning, an 11-year-old wants to not eat to play all day with friends. Keep in mind he has his travel soccer tournament all weekend, and his last meal consisted of two breadsticks from Little Caesars and Dippa Dots after his game last night. And also that's when he's hangry and the whole family suffers. So what's interesting about this is you told the one listener, you gave an idea of maybe you should just say, okay, we'll miss you. If you took that advice into this new question, that would probably not be, it probably would not work, right? Well, it couldn't be. There's so many other pieces to this one. Um, Part of it is obviously Fortnite makes everyone go, you know, I hear about that all the time. It's interesting. My girls, obviously they've known what it is forever, but they've never wanted it. And I, and we may say, well, it's only for boys. That's not true. I think there's plenty of girls who like video games, Um, but they've never, have they asked you to download it by any chance? Never. And you know, girls have a different set of challenges, or at least our girls have a different set of challenges, but I am Different uh, set of challenges, meaning the technology, things that, that yeah, Netflix, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but I'm, you know, um, selfishly a little grateful that we don't have to do the battle with Fortnite because mm-hmm. that game is built for addiction. Absolutely. And maybe a Netflix show is too. I don't know, <laughs> but not like that. Good luck, Charlie was built for addiction. Na 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 na. Yes, it is. So, anyways. Okay, so this is what I would say. There's a bunch of pieces in there. The fact that he has now he does not do any of it mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday or yeah. whatever, that kind of gives it a different spin, right? So Saturday is a day that he can do Fortnite. Sure. Saturday afternoon he has soccer, maybe Sunday too. So there's this window of time where he can play Fortnite. I think as a parent, if we have told him and we have made an agreement with him that during the week you don't do it, but you can play on the weekend, then in, and you guys may go, oh my gosh, this is crazy, but we have to honor that, right? I mean, not honor it like you deserve Fortnite or that I owe you Fortnite, but if you have, if you have downloaded it and he has played it and it's an agreement that you have made together, then if you're going to do lunch at the exact same time that his friend, because it's a community game, like everybody's playing the same time, then that is a tough call for him. That doesn't mean he wins. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is you have to go back to the books and say, um, or go back to the drawing board and say, now let's discuss this. Should we, you know, what time are your friends all going to be playing? Can you give me a time? Because mm-hmm. I understand this is just an hour of your time or two hours of your time. And I know that you've been looking forward to this and working hard all week for it. Um, so I know when to schedule lunch so we can all be together. Yeah. And again, she may say, I have four other kids. That's not going to work. And that may be right. like these, I'm just going with what the information I have there. And then if he, if the other side of that is if you don't want to really work around his schedule or his fortnight schedule on Saturday morning, then to say first this, then that. Mm-hmm. You're going to eat. This is when we eat. And then you can go do that with my blessing. Go have fun. Go win. Go do the things. Yep. But at least tell him. Or at least, this, this is like the key piece. Support him. If you have said you can play this game on Saturday, support yep. him when he plays it. 
I know, I know some people think that's crazy, but I feel like we tell our kids, yeah, you can have video games, but then when they play the video games, we're pissed at them all the time. So we have to have some clarity about what is it, what are the boundaries here? And then when they're playing to have an understanding of the joy that they find in it. I'm kind of with you. It says fast forward to the school beginning. And we said no Xbox tablet video games Monday through Thursday after school. If that's the only outline in the agreement, and I don't want to get too specific, but to your point, like if I'm the kid, yeah, hey, man, this is my day. And it sounds like he played soccer last night. He's playing soccer later this afternoon. That's the thing is that's the window of time he has with his friends. So to then say, sorry, you can't play again because because we're going to have lunch now. Yeah, I think it's like refining the upfront agreement. Yes. You know what I mean? Good language. Refining the upfront agreement. It's not about saying... I'm going to you know, lay down the hammer and we're eating at 11 and I don't care about what you're doing with Fortnite. It's also not saying we're going to reschedule all of our lives around your Fortnite play. It's about saying, let's kind of be clear yeah. now that you're playing on this morning, What? how can we do this where you can play with your friends and we can eat? Um, because this fighting you know, on Saturday morning isn't working. Now school just started, so they may be able to negotiate this. Well, and it's interesting, like, you know, there's a lot of layers to this and I kind of wish that we would do this on a Zen talk just so we can have a back and forth with this mom. But, you know, his last meal last night consisted of two breadsticks from Little Caesars and Dippin' Dots after the game. Well, I don't know, that's... Sound like you were okay with it because if you weren't, you wouldn't have let him do it, right? And now, like the resentment from last night's meal is now piling on to today's meal, and mm-hmm. you see how this starts building on each mm-hmm. other. Like, and that happens to you a lot. Of course, you can it relate does. to that. I relate to all of this. Yeah, I get frustrated, and you'll be like, they already had that yesterday, or they just did that last night, and so then they end up almost like paying a price mm-hmm. for what we allowed them to do. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not easy being eleven. No, and and the thing is, is going back to the original big picture that we talked about, is remember what it's like to be 11. And instead of saying he shouldn't, you know, again, we have to remember that we gave him Fortnite. Yes, exactly. Husband downloaded this. So, and he's been playing, and this is what he does. And bear with me, but this too shall pass. There's been a lot of different versions of Fortnite, not the actual game, but yeah. things come and go. There's sure. trends and waves. He's not going to be, you know, 22 in your basement playing Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, things will come and go. But right now, you have these beautiful boundaries during the week, which it sounds like he's doing pretty well. But when he plays, having an honoring of, and even joking about it, this is Fortnite time. Yeah. And because, again, connection, this is the beautiful, like, interweaving of having boundaries and rules and respect for their brain development and making sure they eat, but also understanding where your kid is right now at 11. So if you say to him, Fortnite's dumb, Fortnite's stupid, I can't believe you play, it's so ridiculous, he's going to disconnect from you. Well, and we had John Duffy at our conference last year, and one of the moms stood up and, and talked about her son who is addicted to video games. And John said something that was really interesting, which is when was the last time you played one of these games with him? And like, it's so weird to hear that advice as a parent. You're like, no, I'm trying want, to get yes. him to stop. And he, John's like, this is your vehicle of connection. Yeah. And if you can do this and show him that it's, that doesn't mean that you have to like fully endorse every aspect of this game, but just show him that you're a human being that that wants to learn what he, what he likes to do. Which And this is the most important part you guys because everything has a story why do our kids love Fortnite? okay why 
because of connection with other kids, because of making sure they keep up with a trend, because they're really good at it. Mm. And maybe they're not good at other things. Maybe they are the fourth best on their team. Maybe they are number 200 in their class. Maybe, and they're not good at everything. So they have this video game they're good at. It brings out all their joy, all this sense of, and again, you may be like, oh, it brings out their purpose. But in that moment, they're like, I'm good at this. And so those are the kind of things we want to dive into. At least, you know, one of my, uh, a book that I think was really influential to, to me and a lot of people was one of Danielle Laporte's first book called um, The Desire Map. Mm, that is a good one. And what Danielle Laporte, what, what she focuses on is what we're really going for in life are not events and activities. We're going for a feeling. And if we can identify what the feelings are, then we can bring those things into more healthy aspects of life. Because the reason we do things is not to say, oh, I went to the movie. We want to go to a movie because we want to feel connected, because we want to be with people, because we want to see a story that moves us. So it's about the feeling underneath why we do what we do. And our kids play video games because of the feeling of being a part of something bigger than themselves, connecting with other friends and being good. And you may not think it's real, but I heard that there's schools that are giving scholarships based off of their ability to game. Shut up. I'm serious. I heard that. I don't know which school it is. Maybe it was like a marketing shtick to like have somebody talk about the university and I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. We don't think it's a real thing because we think of back to the Atari days of mm-hmm. our, the 1970s, but you know, this is a game. Like asking your son when you're playing and don't say it with a tone of annoyance and resentment, say it with honest to goodness curiosity saying, what do you, what do you get when you play Fortnite? What does it give you? Like, how do you feel afterwards during, and we might find that our kids say exhausted, anxious, overwhelmed. And then that's a good conversation. See, you've opened a door to a different place where you can actually say, you know, you don't have to play because some kids may feel forced, but some kids may say exhilarated, you know, they, I don't know if a lot of boys would say exhilarated at 11. Do you? They say they... I, fun. I'm jacked up. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's fun. Do you think they say jacked up? I don't know. Isn't I'm just that? making stuff up. Um, my point is, is that's the kind of thing, that's the communication. And so these questions, do you see how they're basically about how do I get my kid to come to dinner? Mm-hmm. But they're they're deeper than that. Yeah. They're how do it's I communicate with them? How do I understand what he's doing? How do I not get defensive when he comes back with a different response? And this is this is the process. So we found, Todd and I found kind of, you know, bringing this full circle that a lot of these questions had a similar threat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, so anyways, a few other things. One is my last movie line of the day. Yeah. I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> Love that line. It's one of the best. Um, so we have two Zen friends to thank. Oh, what is a Zen friend, sweetheart? A Zen friend is somebody who is willing to um, give to make sure that anybody who wants to, ten- to attend our Zen Parenting Conference 2019 on March 8th and 9th can attend. We've gotten a lot of emails from people, most of them teachers, a few single moms who would really like to go, and actually a single dad. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say it's all single moms because there was a single dad too, um, who really want to attend this conference, but they need some support. Um, and so... A Zen friend, you give, and then that money goes toward goes toward making Sweetie, sure these people. What is can go. this conference that you speak of? So the Zen Parenting Conference, like I said, is in Chicago, May eighth, or excuse me, March eighth and 9th. 
Um, it is on Friday night, Todd and I will be speaking and doing lots. We're not sure we'll be speaking for sure, but we're considering having a panel. I don't know. It's going to be exciting. Friday night will be good. And then Saturday will be amazing because we have Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach and Julie Lithcott-Hames and Devorah Heitner speaking. All of them, I think are going to blow your mind. I, if you've read their books or you know their work, you probably already know this, but they'll all be at this conference. Um, it's also for teenagers, so for those of you who have teenage anywhere from, and we're even going to say 12 and up, right? Mm-hmm. Preteen. Yeah. Um, you can bring them for only $25. Yeah. So you buy a ticket. And so when you buy the ticket, it's beautiful. You can buy your ticket. You can do Zen friend giving. Mm-hmm. You can bring your teen. You can attend my pre-conference workshop. Um, which is I've running got, out of space, I think. I think there's 17 spaces left. Okay. Which that, considering it's only September, um, but get those now yep. because we always run out. Um and I think you should just come, everybody. Yeah, put it on your calendar. Make yeah. it happen. Mm-hmm. It's before spring break. Um, it's a good time of the year. It's that like that's that sweet spot of you know the transition between winter and spring. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the two Zen friends are Kelly Stanley and Lindsay Garfield. Kelly and Lindsay. I think they're Thank both uh, teams and folks. I think so too. So thanks to these, you amazing ladies. These people are givers. Yes, they are. Um, so if you're so if you wanted to get a sampling of this last Zen talk, shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com and <clears throat> I'll forward it to you and maybe you can decide whether or not you think Team Zen is a good fit for you. Or if you just like today's show and you want like the more in-depth of what we talked about, yeah. you know, that you'll be interested in what we said. Um, we do get, we, we got a wonderful review from a woman named Vanessa from the United States of America. She said, Margaret Mead once said, never doubt a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And she says, honest to goodness, Kathy and Todd are spearheading one such small group. Zen Parenting Radio isn't uh, just a podcast about parenting. It's a podcast about living and about challenging ourselves to become the empathic, connected, and clear-headed people we all want to be. It's like one of the best reviews ever. Yeah, it it's is. so it, nice. It is. And she goes on, but I'll save you all from the whole thing. But anyways, thank you to Vanessa thank for that. Um, I have a men's retreat coming up uh, actually a week after the conference, and we already have are about halfway filled. So if there's any guys out there that want to uh, work on themselves, unplug for a weekend, connect with other amazing men, and transform yourself, uh, shoot me an email at uh, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. I also coach guys. So if you're interested in that, go to ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Um, anything else that you want to add, my darling? Nope. All right. So... Um, Happy belated Labor Day, everybody. This is coming out the day after Labor Day. And um, I guess we'll just keep on trucking, huh? Yeah, let's just do that. Um, take care. Have a good week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. 
Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.